Oh, nice. I got a speech function for that too. So <laughs> do you have a title? Do you have any preference in how you're addressed? Um, maestro, boss. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> maestro. <laughs> All right. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Um, my nickname is the Blind Fury. I've always, I won't say always. I got that nickname years ago when I was bowling. And it kind of stuck. And that's actually my website. Um, my wife calls me her mushy monkey. So I don't know that I'd rather you care that you would call me that, though. So let's go with the Blind Fury or just John. I am not going to call you what your wife calls you. No, but please don't. Yeah, I, I won't. To, I'd have to drive to Tennessee and really do a number. Oh, please. So so why Fury? <laughs> Where Are you just like a furious bowler? Are you furious that you're blind? Where did Fury come from? Well, I really don't know. What happened was we were bowling. It was a Thursday night deal that my son and I used to go to with a bunch of guys from another church. And they had it set up to where everybody would bowl. And whoever won, they would get like this wrestling belt they made. And then they would do these interviews and put them on Facebook. It was actually a lot of fun, a lot of comical relief, you know, and uh there was a night that I beat all the sighted people and they said something like today we have a new champion, the blind fury. And I went, Hey, I like that. And it stuck. So that's how I got it. Okay. That makes sense. So you don't have anger issues. It did. I was just like, is, are you like an angry guy? That just- <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's how I got the nickname, I would not have kept it. That's good. So how blind are you exactly? Like I see, I caught you doing the text to speech, but do you read Braille or, cause I mean, you're still like able to use a computer. That's good. Yeah. And it talks to me as well, just like my phone does. Um, I have, I estimate maybe 5% vision. So I'm legally blind, meaning I can see, but not very well, but there are other legally blind people who drive because 2200 is considered legally blind. And I'm like, I am 20 hand motion. Like I can't see the E on the wall anymore. And when the doctor waves his hand in front of me, that's what I can see. But I, I have a lot of assistive technology. I have a lot of uh, ability to adapt. <laughs> I mean, I built my website and my marriage ministry website. I mean, I built it. And so I use a lot of high contrast on my computer to help me see a little bit better. And my screen reader on my computer, my phone talks, my computer talks. I have a document screen behind me that talks and I have a wife that talks and I can get them all to stop except for one. So I I can guess which one, but I was uh, (laughs) thinking, have you ever considered doing anything illegally blind? Because I'm kind of in need of a handicap placard and I don't know if, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to get one without actually handicapping myself. And I, the, I feel like that's uh, that's a wrong thing to do. I don't want to be in the wrong side of uh, of grace right now. No, no, I don't mind that at all. As a matter of fact, I will send you one. But the last person I did that to, I called the police where they were and they found them and they took their car and everything. And then they got fined pretty hefty. So if you're willing to take that risk, I will be happy to get you an illegal placard. Well, I mean, it would be a legal placard. It would just be an illegal uh, action, I guess. But you still, you'd still call the police. So, I, oh well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> let me think about how you can send somebody something but still call the police. <laughs> so, you know, uh, 
your website says you play drums. I, I'm, I I'm very, inter- I'm very interested. What kind of kit? How long have you been playing drums? I'm currently sitting behind my own drum set. Oh wow, that's cool. I've been playing. It's it's really a weird story. I never I played from a very young age, but I played with drumsticks on a bed. I actually took my parents' dining room chairs, set them up all around me, just like Peter Chris from Kiss, and put pillows on them. I turned my aluminum garbage can upside down, put a wash rag on top of it to make a snare drum. And this was in the early 80s. And I used to sit there for hours and play to Kiss albums. Loved Kiss at that time. Um, and then I played other stuff, but Kiss was my deal. I, I used to just jam to them. But then it wasn't until I was 18 years old, I rented a drum set for three months, then I headed off to college. And so until I was 21, I never really owned my own drum set or even had it really. So I started at 21, which is <clears throat> 30 years ago. And I've been playing ever since for the most part. My drum kit is a Pearl EXR series. It has three mounted toms, floor tom, of course, the bass, and I've got a double pedal because I love playing double bass. And then I have, I can't remember how many cymbals, something like 10 or 12. I have four crash, two splash, two chinas, ride hat in the hats. I think that's it. All and a special effects. Right? Huh? All Zildjian's, right? All Zildjian, every I one of them. Had a feeling. Very nice. Very nice. Do you, uh, is Peter Chris still your favorite drummer? No. Good. I'm very very glad to hear that. No, no. He was, when you're a kid, the makeup makes you awesome, which is why I carry a drum, a big drum set. It makes me awesome no matter what. Like before I even hit a note on those things, people are like, man, that guy's killer because of the drum kit. Then they hear me play and they don't even pay attention to it. So it's just a joke, man. It's just what you do. Yeah. No, no. I am a big fan of, uh, let me think of my favorite Christian drummer. Um, I was influenced a lot in the earlier days by Robert Sweet from Striper, but the older I get, the heavier my musical tastes become. So like the st- Striper is almost too mellow for me at this point, and I'm 51. So um, my favorite Christian drummer, you know, I can't even really think. I, I loved Tommy Aldridge, who played with Ozzy and Whitesnake. Um, Ted Kirkpatrick from Tourniquet. That's a Christian metal band. He's just all over the place. Love him. I like uh, Jordan Mancino from As I Lay Dying. Um, Are they Christian now? You know, I don't really know with him, you know, going through his reformation and, and the lyrics on the newest release. Man, it was pretty cool. You know, Dig My Own Grave and, and those types of songs and I'm my gosh, I need to go back and listen to it, but that's my style. They're one of my favorites. I love as I lay dying. Um, I know at one, one point they thought they were like, people thought they were Christian, but they really never were. Um, I've read stories with Tim saying, you know, people walk up and say, would you pray for me? He's like, uh, (laughs) I don't know what to do here, but you know, since being released from prison for what he went through, you know, and the new lyrics, it almost kind of sounds like, he, he may be finding his way back. I don't know. I don't know. Have you always been a man of God or did you, did it take some time for you to find God? That's another one of those complex answers. See, that's what you get with me. There's never a simple answer. I knew of him, but of course, technically everybody knows of him because the Bible says we're all born with an element of faith. 
all, meaning everybody. Um, creation tells the story of his creation, like the solar system, everything spells it out. We just, a lot of us just miss it. So I always knew there was a God. I tried to live a good life as a kid. Um, I went to church a little bit, but I didn't really understand it. And then I kind of, I, I went to a large high school. And again, I didn't really understand it in the first place. And I was not a horrible kid by any stretch, but I also, you know, I was doing things I wasn't supposed to. And my, uh, my life, I thought I was a Christian because I didn't drink, smoke, or cuss. That's what I thought my path to heaven was. I was just that type of kid. And I was actually sitting in a parking lot. It was a church parking lot waiting for a friend of mine to get out of church because, you know, I had too many other things to do than to go to church. You know, this Christian kid that doesn't drink, smoke, or cuss. (laughs) There's another vice besides drinking, smoking, and cussing. Well, I know, but I thought because I didn't do all of that, that made me a good person and I wasn't. And I was a Christian because of that. I mean, that was my mindset because I didn't know any, I didn't know, I didn't understand. Right. So, yeah, I agree with you. I'm just saying for me, that's kind of where my mindset was. So as I am sitting in this church parking lot waiting for a friend of mine to get out of church, I was listening. I can tell you the song I was listening to. I was listening to Youth Gone Wild by Skid Row. Wow. And yeah, I popped out the cassette. (laughs) Winky, winky, wink. I popped out the cassette and turned it over to a Christian station. Just kind of random out of the blue and I was a huge Skid Row fan so to do that was weird and there was a female artist on there that talked about living a lie and being good doesn't get you there that type of a message and man it hit me like a ton of bricks I was like she's describing me and that's when I consider my true salvation happening and been walking with him ever since that was November 25th, 1990. So what's crazy about that, a few different things. One, I totally think my radio talks to me. I swear, I grew up on FM radio. I still listen to <laughs> FM radio despite all the other options. And yep. like, I'll be scrolling down and if it's not some, like, I'll catch the Irish preacher or I'll catch the uh, the some old Jimmy Swaggart thing and, you know, before he got in trouble. Mm-hmm. and. Sometimes the message will be exactly what I need to hear that day. Like, oh, this is what it means to actually forgive somebody. And I'm like, I, good. I do need to let that go because that's just going to ruin my day. Or it'll be like Ace of Base. I saw the sign and I'm not a big fan of the song. But then I find one sign throughout my day and be like, OK, all right. Maybe maybe I ought to pay attention. I uh, I grew up. I'm a recovering Catholic, I guess. I was kind of forced (laughs) into it. And I I knew the stories and all, but I uh, didn't. uh, All the Catholics I knew were just awful people. And it was like, how do you uh, how do you like participate in church yet live the complete opposite of what you're supposed to be doing? And then I left the Catholic Church and did other denominations through stuff and would be involved in the worship bands. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was sort of, I was sort of callous to it at that point. I, I don't think children are on a whole, not to speak generally, not that I'm a doctor, but I don't think children are going to fully understand the purpose of church. So there's like, you know, youth groups and all that, which is fun, but like 
there's more to it than just having fun and fellowship, which is still good. But I broke away from the church for a few years, but strangely enough, I would have throughout the entire time that I was not involved in the church. Let's say that was 2017 to about a year ago. Uh, people would just come up to me out of the blue. I'd be at the grocery store, just buying a protein bar or whatever. And some lady would just be like, Hey, you know, he's looking for you. He wants you to come back. And I'm like, you do this to everybody. Like, <laughs> There's no, uh, there was no pamphlet. She didn't tell me what church to go to. She's just like, right. hey, go, go find him. And I'm, he's looking for you. I'm like, I love that because like, I don't get into this denomination thing. Um, I do practice the Pentecostal doctrine. However, that to me divides too many people. And here's the simple truth. If we can agree on one thing, the rest of it, we can work it out. The Bible just says, plain and simple, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me, and that's Jesus talking. If we can agree on that, that Jesus is the way to salvation, we can work out the rest of it. But people like to argue about this or that, and I'm like, stop it. Just stop it. Stop arguing. You know, I just, it frustrates me. So I love how that lady did it. I think that's pretty cool. It makes you furious, right? What's that? When the, people when argue, people about, argue about Yes. Oh, it, it, yeah, because like I have, I know some people who would rather argue with you and judge you and condemn you because you don't believe like they do than share the gospel with the unsaved. And that's like, you guys are wasting time. Like, you know, there are some things and I'm, I don't want to get into it, be honest with you, because I just don't, I just, there are certain things I am hardcore against. The Bible's pretty clear on a lot of things. It talks about, you know, Jesus said, be holy like I'm holy. Well, what does holy mean? I mean, be perfect like I am perfect. Like say what? It took me a while to really understand what he was saying. To be holy means to be set apart. You're not supposed to blend in with the world. You're just not supposed to. It's simple. And if Jesus said, be holy like I'm holy, well, this dude, <laughs> he was uh, he had large crowds following him because he was so different. And that's what he's calling us to be is different. We're not supposed to use the same language as the world does, not the same attitude, not the same actions. Um, we're supposed to be set apart and we're supposed to be different. And people, you know, people... They tell you they're a Christian. It makes you want to go, really? Well, you're, you're not standing apart. So. See, I love that, actually. It's it's very true because I've found that uh, recently, so what I've done was in March 28th, I was managing a restaurant, and it just hit me that I'm putting 60 hours a week into this. I'm not helping anybody. I'm not getting anything but a decent salary. So I had a moment that – it came from God, just came straight to me of what if I put the 60 hours a week doing something productive that will actually benefit people. So mm -hmm. I quit that job. I made a pilgrimage to New Orleans for some reason, for no reason, honestly. Like I just started doing things that didn't make sense that were just being called from a higher purpose. So I bought a large speaker and a small drum set, and I have been going from town to town, just 
playing music and I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it to like just improve people's day and help that like because of this COVID pandemic, everybody's still kind of afraid to talk to each other. And with the vaccines and the masking now being in a, a political issue, like people are still normal. It's not what we see on the news. And so if, yep, yep. <laughs> if me spreading positivity via drums and music is what's going to help people like start to come out and be friendly again, by all means. And so far it, it's been it's been a really great experience. It's been you know, an expensive you, one, but yeah, you've got me thinking at this point because I'm on a mission right now of raising money for, I told you on the email, I had a new thing going on. Yeah. Um, well, you have a concert venue too, don't you? You, you uh-huh. own flames of fire, right? Well, I, I don't own it. It's through my church. Okay. Um, I've brought in several big bands, Christian bands. And um, you know, that's just, I don't do it much anymore because it's so difficult with the money thing mm-hmm. you know, by the time you pay the band and you have to raise money, do fundraisers. It's just really hard to stay afloat when it comes to the money. Um, so I've done it since 2012. The last concert I had was 2019. And of course the pandemic hit and I just, it's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit, but yeah, I was doing that for a while. I was having local concerts. I've, did like a DJ thing for New Year's Eve for the youth. I'd go in there and play all the Cupid Shuffle and Cha Cha Slide and all of that. Let the kids dance, and I would bring a live band in for that sometimes, or a rapper or whatever. So yeah, I was doing that for a little while. Well, churches must have been drastically affected by the by the pandemic. How so? How did that affect you? Because I know you also do your own ministries as well. Yeah. Um. You mean how did it affect? the ministries I do at the church or just our church in general? Just, I guess the ministries you do at the church, but for your acting of doing it, like the actual business, like, did you have to go online? Did you have to? Yeah. Or, yeah. Cause I'm yeah, sure. they, yeah, we did. Um, our church started live streaming. Well, we were doing that anyway. Um, we actually upgraded some of our equipment to make it better. And uh, we streamed for several months and then things started to open back up. But, our church did fine. God kept his word and provided and took care of us. So where is your church again? It's in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Oh, cheers. That's a college town, isn't it? No. Well, there's a junior college here, but it, I wouldn't say it's a college town. Mm, bummer. I'm I'm not familiar with Kentucky. I know Louisville and that, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Louisville is north of here and you got Bowling Green. Aren't you in Tennessee? I I am. I've been a Tennessee man for two years now. Okay. Well, you surely know about Bowling Green. Corvette. Oh, Corvettes. Yeah. It's where the Corvette Museum is. Ah, see, I'm, how familiar are you with Memphis, Tennessee? Somewhat. Yeah. It's, it's like one of those cities that should just annex itself and become like the next Washington DC of the country, <laughs> like just United States of Memphis, whatever they want to call it. United States of Memphis. <laughs> yeah. Mem- uh, locally here, they, they've referred to it as Memphrica and or Memphganistan. I don't know if they want wow. to keep, yeah, don't know if they want to keep that title, but I wouldn't suggest it. Yeah, well, there's just certain things here that are unlike the rest of the entire state. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I've been to the first KFC in Corbin, Kentucky. I've yeah, driven, I used to live in Corbin. 
Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I was only there for a year, but hey, speaking of KFC, before you move on with your driving skills. Yeah, right. There is a fun fact about me that very little people know about. If you go and okay, well, if you go into my basement, which you can't since you're not even in the same state. But if you go in my basement, <coughs> excuse me. That's a great way right. to start a fun fact. If you go into my basement. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's scary. Um, right next to my drums, sitting against the tripod that holds my speakers that I blare the music through, sits this big picture, like this huge picture that's framed. And it's a KFC picture. And it says crowd pleaser. That's got the KFC logo. And at that time it was Kentucky fried chicken. And there's the, it was a national billboard. I saw it in Corden, Indiana. I had cousins that saw it in Seattle, Washington. And it's got this man, this woman, and this kid sitting in the middle of them, like a family enjoying the chicken. Why is that a fun fact? Well, that kid in the middle is me. So I was on a KFC national billboard. Oh my goodness. That that's something that's a feather in your cap right there. Uh, if you say so. So so what's the new thing that you're doing? You have a new thing. Well, it's a new thing of something I've been doing actually. Um I started a couples slash marriage ministry back in 2019, and that derived from I became a widower and I'm a Christian inspirational speaker. So I travel and I tell my story about losing vision and all of that. But when uh, the one I was married to just suddenly passed away, I thought, man, I need to mention something about that from stage during these speaking engagements. So I thought I would give it a, you know, and by the way, guys, you know, I'm a widower. I know what it's like. I woke up Monday. I went to work. I woke up Tuesday planning her funeral. So cherish your spouse, you know, make sure you don't take your spouse for granted. So that was kind of my idea. And then go on with my story. Then I met Tanya. Tanya has an absolute horror story. Horror story of what was done to her, the path that it sent her down. Ugly, ugly on top of ugly. And when I met Tanya, there's something about her. And I was like, man, God's not only restoring me, but this, this girl, she needs to be loved, genuinely loved, like Christ loved the church. And I know how I am, and it's a humbling experience, experience knowing God chose me. And now Tanya is my wife. But the kicker is, when I met her and I heard her stories, particularly the man she was married to before me, who was a quote-unquote Christian, demanding i'm the head of the house you better respect me and i kind of giggled i'm like uh, that's not what that means <laughs> and i'm sitting here studying scripture while i'm dating her because i had just semi-retired and i was studying scripture on marriage and relationships and divorce and all kinds of stuff and i started to feel like god was calling me well that's when it started to get a little momentum. And in April of 2019, we actually named it. So the couples slash marriage, dating, whatever ministry you want to call it, is called Marital Monkey. 
Well, marital, obviously, relationships and all of that. Most people want to be married. And monkey, because that's my favorite animal and I'm a professional goofball. So I started that ministry a couple of years ago. We thought it would be a YouTube podcast. That's it. We were going to do little videos on YouTube because, you know, we just, we have fun. And then do a podcast. But then she and I decided to go to coach training school. So we became certified professional bereavement and relationship coaches to help the ministry out, to help couples and all of that. After that, I decided to go back and I became a certified relationship master coach. Then I came back again and I'm a certified master coach, certified group coach, and a certified laser coach. So I pursued these trainings, right? But this is a, this is a crazy story and I want to try to get through it as quickly as I can. Not everybody believes like I do. I get it. But at the same time, God does stuff that you just cannot deny. And I hate it when people this in my book right now, there is a thing that says, you know, God, people like to explain God away like, well, that was irony or whatever. Baloney. God's in everything. He is very detailed. Well, last November, I was at a church conference and at the end of the conference, it was the last day. I've got chills talking about it right now. I mean, I'm serious. I've got chills on my cheeks, my arms, everything. I bowed, bowed my head down, closed my eyes. The music was going. And when I closed my eyes, I'm not thinking of anything except that moment. And all of a sudden, I see this vision. And you could almost call it a trance. And I saw, and I'm not, I'm not going to give you the whole vision, but I will say this. The vision had a cartoonish look to it in certain parts of it. And the colors were green and brown. Well, Marital Monkey has a cartoon logo and it's green and brown. So Marital Monkey was put on me in a vision. And again, I don't want to get into the whole vision because we'll be here forever. Well, it wasn't 15 minutes after that. Well, first of all, I sat down, told my wife about it and what I saw. I'm glad I did that because 15 minutes later, the guy who was leading the conference has the gift of prophecy. And he looked at my wife and I, and said, come here. We go up to the front and he tells her, he says, God's getting ready to take you or God wants to take you to another level. And then he comes over to me, <laughs> he puts his hands on me and he says, God's going to use multiple avenues, but he is about to expand your influence. I went, whoa, which is what I saw in the vision. It's exactly what I saw in the vision, precisely. And I was like, okay, that's a confirmation. I've had a couple of more things happen like that. Like um, uh, just regarding marital monkey, my wife and, well, I went up to the altar during a church service for prayer for something completely different. The guy that was praying over me was praying what I asked him to. My wife later during the prayer walks up and stands next to me. And this guy takes a left turn from the prayer and says, and God, I ask that you prepare the couples that John and Tanya will cross. I went, what did you just say? When he said, amen, I looked at him. I said, did you realize I was starting a couples ministry? He said, I had no idea. Wow. And I'm like, this is crazy. So in November, I see these colors. I've been doing a thing called Marital Monkey Mondays, marriage building, marriage relationship dating building workshop. And I teach scripture, we add scripture to the practical topics, and then include them in our marriages, even if it's not a marriage scripture. 
I've been doing that. I've been trying to find my way. I'm actually writing a premarital, or it's actually called a marital <laughs> marriage. Nice. Yeah, marriage preparation course. That's going to be very in-depth. I'm a certified relationship master coach. So I'm going to have a video teaching every week, practical topics. I'm going to talk to the couple every single week about that week's lesson for like 16 weeks to prepare them in depth for marriage as best as I can. That's supposed to come out fall 2021. Here's the whole thing. The new thing that's coming up. Being legally blind, I, I get a disability check, right? But I need to make a little money. Or I should say I need to make a lot of money. <laughs> Don't and, we all? Yeah. So I am like, I'm starting to apply for part-time jobs, which I didn't really want to do because I love the ministries that I'm involved in, especially the marriage ministry. But I was like, I have to do something. And I said, God, look, I need to make some money. But my heart's desire is to do ministry and get paid for it. The Bible says a worker is worthy of his wages. You know, yeah, that's a want, fact. No, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. And and I, you know, and that's another soapbox I can go on, which I will not. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I just told him several times I want to make money doing ministry work. I had applied for several part-time jobs, some of them tailor-made for me. It was almost like, well, that's me right there, everything. And I, I didn't even get a response, let alone an interview. And I just told my wife, I said, God must be up to something because I can't even get an interview. And then a, an opportunity presented itself that I've got to raise money to do. But I have coming up, um, today's the first, second, three, four. So on the 18th of June, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to freak out. June 18th, I've not put these dates together until just now. I cannot wait to tell my wife. Um, June 18th at 2.30 p.m. as of now will be my first radio talk show called Marital Monkey Mania. And it's going to be on 107.9 FM out of Huntington, West Virginia. So... It'll be a talk show where people email us or call us with questions about relationships, something they might be dealing with, and just want some advice. They want some answers. And so we'll be answering those on air and helping those people who call in. And we're going to have a couple of other things within that, like I do a thing called Marital Monkey Couple of the Month. We're going to let people nominate who they think should be the couple of the month and the winners will go on my website, maritalmonkey.com. We will send them a gift certificate for a dinner for two up to 30 bucks and a stuffed monkey. <laughs> and then we're going to have another segment called Marital Monkey Milestones where people can donate like eight bucks and we'll announce a milestone of another couple on the radio. And then I'm going to do a select few interviews with those couples. I will randomly pick a couple out and then do interviews and put them on the radio as well. So a lot of stuff going on. It'd be a weekly talk show for 30 minutes a week. And so I, that's what I'm doing right now is trying to get donations to be able to pull this off and pay some bills. Well, first of all, congratulations. Oh, thank I you. mean, yeah, I, God totally provided for you in that case. Uh, yes, sir. What, what I was going to ask you about that was, is there a website on 107.9 that people can listen to online? Because only a few of us are out in the Southeast. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I am, this blind guy is still building the website. God be the glory. I don't ever want to take credit away from him. I do everything I do because of him and the ability he's given me. But um, on the maritalmonkey.com website, um, if anybody wants to donate, there'll be a banner that says marital monkey mania. And it's actually really cool. My daughter did it for me on the left of the marital monkey mania is there are two monkeys sitting in a tree. One's a bride, one's a groom, which that's kind of like my original logo, except the groom has a guide cane in his hand. And my wife is going to be assisting me in the show. So I was like, that's us in the tree. This is pretty sweet. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. So, <laughs> um, but I will also have a listen online or a listen live link on the front page as well. So if anybody wants to listen to it, contribute, call in, whatever, they can do it by going to that listen online link that I have not added yet, but I will be doing soon. That is beautiful. I will definitely do my best to help you promote that because thank you. I mean, that's a very, uh, it's a very noble cause. I was going to ask you as well. So how long have you been doing marriage counseling or marriage ministrying? Since, well, it was getting some momentum in 2018 and then marital monkey was born in April, 2019. Okay. And do you do any couples that are not Christian or is it pretty much like your group of people through the church that come up to you? Are you talking about the coaching? Yes. The coaching. Oh, Oh, I've been doing that since 2020. I, my first class graduated April, 2020. I took a, another class, like a side class to become a master coach mm -hmm. for relationships mm -hmm. And then I went again in 2021 and just recently graduated with the master coach certificate. No, I will counsel. That's the wrong word. I will coach anybody. But one thing they have to understand, and it's in my terms and agreements, I cannot do anything without being influenced by Jesus. And nor do I want to. Now, I'm not overbearing with it. And I will hit the core stuff that they're dealing with. But if there is a scripture that I think will help their situation, I will give it to them. They can either accept it or reject it, their choice completely. But I will do that. I'm, I'm not going to beat them over the head with the Bible. I'm just, I'm going to do my job because I really want to help people. But it's hard to be in ministry and not be influenced by the reason you're in the ministry. Does that and make any sense? No, that makes complete sense. And honestly, if you're, if, as a couple, if you're signing up for uh, any sort of any sort of guidance, you probably have an open enough mind to accept anything right. thrown at you. And I mean, yeah. you've you've you're accredited to be a marital counselor, a master coach, so that you uh, you know they should trust you. They should trust that you have their best interests in mind. Yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. So, in your current relationship, do you still do you have like an open I, this is a hard question to ask and you don't have to answer it, but as a widower, I'm sure that still you have to live with that. And are, do you have an open communication with your current wife about that? If, and does she have an open communication about her past or did you guys like hash that out and move forward? What's like the healthiest way to deal with that situation? Well, I was very open about my marriage. Her name was Sherry. And I was very open with Tanya right off the bat, but I asked her permission. You know, I said, is it okay if I talk about it? Because I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. The first day we ever talked on the phone, she told me about her history and um, she didn't get into all of the details, 
but she told me enough to where I, I was like, man, she's had a rough time of it. Um, she just, I, if I get talking about, it, I'm liable to choke up the girl for her to be alive today is an absolute miracle for her to be where she is today is a miracle. It's a testament to her endurance and her, um, I, I don't know. She, she's, she's, she could have given up and used every excuse in the world if she wanted to, because her, when she was born, you just got to think about this. And, and I'm actually writing a second book right now called God sent me a personal text message, the story of the blind leading the blonde. And the reason is that God showed up in the time that we dated more so that I have ever seen in my previous 27 years of being a Christian at that time. I have never seen anything like it. And it was just him constantly reaffirming, I'm putting you guys together. Don't you dare stop because it's just a whole book of stuff that you're just going to have to read because <laughs> we don't have enough time. But she told me about her past and some of the mistakes that she made. But when she was born, her parents already had four kids. They were done. And her mom, when she was born, was 43 or 44, which seems to be, you know, a little bit up there. Then you look at her dad. He was 69. Oh, goodness. They did not want any kids. They were done. Not only did they have Tanya, they also had her twin sister. So there were there was no guidance. Um, her mom had some issues as well. And some other things happened. And her life just took I mean, this was a little girl that believed in God, was a prayer warrior. Her relatives would take her to church, you know, some. And she, so she got at least something planted in her at that age. But then, then it, it's ugly. A man took advantage of her when she was 14 and sent her down a horrid path. And so it took her, it, it just took her a long time. She ended up, you know, addicted to alcohol and just, she just didn't understand life. And what you read about rape victims is true. They, their minds get rewired. They take off on a different path. They don't understand. They think sex is love. They think they have to have attention. All of those things are true. And I met her and I hear her stories. And, you know, I just said, Tanya, because she was 40 when I met her, I said, your days of wandering in the wilderness are over. We're done. And so I, I, I truly, firmly believe God has put me in her life to help lead her to the purpose that he's always had for her, which is why the enemy came against her so, so strong for all those years. And so now she is, um, she's growing and, you know, she struggled. She was like, and, and this is a something I love doing. And have you heard of the band Petra? Yeah, I've heard of Petra. Okay, well, John Schlitt, the singer, is a friend of mine. When she went through that as a teen, she listened to Beyond Belief, which was one of their CDs, over and over. Watched the video and all of that, and it helped her get through. When I dated her, I got a hold of him. And I said, dude, can you do me a huge favor? So we're down in my basement, sitting on the couch. And, and I tell this story because it's so precious to me. I walked in the other room and I called him up, but he didn't answer. Well, on my way back to the room, he calls me back. And I said, okay, hold on one second. And I walked in the room where Tanya was. I said, hey, Tanya, somebody wants to talk to you. 
She said, who is it? And I said, don't ask questions. Don't look at the screen. Just answer the phone. So she goes, hello? I'm giving you hand motions like you can see me. She said, hello? And he said, hey, Tanya, this is John Schlitt from Petra. She goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Freaked out. And um, she talked to him for, you know, just a few minutes. And I thanked him, hung up the phone. And I will never forget her next words. She said, I have never been loved like this. And I said, get used to it. Nice. That is, and you that know, is a beautiful story. Well, here's the thing, dude. This is why I teach marriage. This is why I felt like somebody had to teach it. Because the problem is, do you realize in scripture, it actually tells you to pursue your spouse after you're married? But you nobody know, can. Yes, huh? I was actually reminded of this because I was talking about how being young that like I respect somebody else to not be so, uh, you know, like I'm not going to pursue somebody, especially like, you know, just out on the if you meet somebody, you just meet a random person. It's just like nice to talk to them without having any intentions. But yeah. somebody was like, you know, the Bible says you're supposed to pursue. And then when you marry them it's your duty to keep pursuing them. I'm like, it is in there. Wow. It is. Yeah. Tell me where it is. I'll tell you where it is. When you tell me where you, where you think it is. I'm curious. Do you know? I'm assuming old Testament, but no. Okay. Love this. This is what I teach. I, I do it differently than most marriage ministry leaders or even counselors or coaches. This is where I think I'm unique in what I do other than marital monkey. <laughs> um, Thank you, Lord, for that name. I love it. Um, <laughs> in Genesis 2.24, it says that a man shall leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Well, in the Bible, things are in order specifically for a reason. It's not randomly ordered in there. So the first thing you have to do is be in a position to leave your parents. If you can't leave your parents, you have no business being married. If you have to hold on to their uh, coattails and make sure that umbilical cord's still attached and need to do this or do that, and oh my, I need my, no. It means when it says leave, the word leave there means forsake, abandon, leave behind. It doesn't mean don't visit and all of that. It just means you're starting a new life. And if you can't get out of your mom's basement, you don't need to be married. Number two, in order, be united to your wife. The word united right there in Hebrew means fasten its grip, hold tight, and here it comes, closely pursue. So if you put the definition in the verse itself, it says, leave your father and mother. Closely pursue your wife, and the two shall become one flesh, meaning a team unit and a sexual unit. Notice how the sex that comes after the marriage, but people want to rewrite that rule too. Sorry, God's mind doesn't change. That's the order of it. You got to become independent, unite with your spouse, and then you become a unit in all different types of ways. People get it out of order and they can't figure out why their marriage struggles sometimes. So when you pursue your girlfriend or your boyfriend, that people get married and go, whoop, I got them. 
Don't need them anymore. Don't need to do that anymore. Uh, wrong. You're scripturally inaccurate. It says pursue your spouse right there. Sorry, well, you get me going, man. I'll, I'll roll down the hill. No, I love it. You're very passionate. It, I mean, <laughs> it's a basic tenet with everything. Like, think about drumming. If you don't practice for one day, that's like your knife going dull. You yep. got to constantly be sharpening your, sharpening your knives and always doing the basics just to keep up with yourself. And I mean, I guess everybody else, but you're always in your biggest competition is your own laziness. So you yeah. got it. And yeah, that's how I, I've been in. I, I'm currently not in a relationship and doing some mental repair, but <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. But, and Right now, it's been a series of months of me telling people no, and I'm, I just I'm not ready right now to to do mm -hmm. any of that. Um, let me enjoy my youth, please. Um, <laughs> but it's so much of like I was going to say this earlier when we were first talking about how we found God. I uh, I've noticed that a lot of times I find God in the action of what i'm doing like when i interact with others through stewardship mm -hmm. or whatever but i find mm -hmm. that like the sin comes naturally that like i like i don't even have a choice i'm not even like a conscious I'm, i feel like powerless against being a sinner but i do my best to repent and work okay. with let, god let me stop you really fast young man yeah hit me with it if, if you're a christian and you're saved by the blood of jesus you're no longer a sinner you're a saint Huh. Paul says in the New Testament, if you watch him open with his greetings to the churches that he's writing to, to the saints of, he never calls them sinners. You might sin because you make a mistake and you're human, but you hit the key word, repent from it and try to never do it again. So sinner is someone who is still lost because they practice sin and a lot of times don't even recognize it, that it's wrong. The Bible says that their minds are darkened. So well, this, is, this is how my brain works. I'm, I'm very hard on myself in everything I do. I have pretty high standards. So just because I can recognize that I'm messing up, that, that's not enough for me. I'm like, why do I keep doing it? <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. not going to stop. Like you sound like Paul. You sound like Paul. Why do I do the things I don't want to? <laughs> Gosh. Well, but, what, it, but okay. Let, Get me going, man. I don't mean to interrupt you, but You're I get fine. passionate about this. I want to encourage you. There's this thing in the New Testament. It talks a lot about crucifying the flesh, setting your thing, your mind on things above. That's Colossians 3, 2. If you can focus on that very verse, Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above and think past the next five minutes of whatever decisions in front of you and talk about Proverbs and the wisdom that it talks in there. Wisdom, setting your mind on Christ and what pleases him, you're less likely to fall to the flesh. And the way that you have to do that is saturate yourself with the word of God. A one-time church service every week is not going to do a whole lot for you. It's up to us believers to be in the word, be in prayer, Ask God to guide and direct and all of those things. If you only ate on Sunday mornings, what would your physical body do? Oh, shrivel. Right. So what's any different with the spirit man and our souls? If we don't feed our soul, the word of God is going to shrivel. 
I've found that having a engaging personal relationship with God is a lot more beneficial than having a personal relationship with the church. <laughs> uh, I'm not opposed to it, but I, I've, and I still, I still peep my nose around every now and again, especially because this is the Bible belt. I mean, honestly, if you're here long enough, God will get you in some way, shape or form. Just hopefully you don't end up, uh, we have a church here in Memphis, Tennessee. And when you drive over the interstate, you will see three crosses yep. that are this. Oh, so you're, yep. you're aware. You're aware. Of I six, remember them. Yep. Six, six flags over Jesus. You're aware of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember the church. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, things like that always make me, uh, make me a little leery. <laughs> well, here's what you have to understand though. Just because it's a big church, it always kills me when people come against the big church. But they don't, you got LeBron James making bukus of dollars, and all he does is play basketball. There's a lot of work that goes into it. I got it. Nobody complains about that. The by golly, don't let the pastor have a million dollar salary. <laughs> Woo! I'm like, he went to school too. Why are we so hard on the pastors? Why are we so hard on the big churches? I'm not comfortable in a big church. I like relationship and I like to know as many people as I can, but what, what the world, see what I mean? It, that that's where my soapbox was earlier. I'm like, who cares? Joyce Meyer. She makes who knows how much money, probably eight, $9 million a year. And everybody wants to, well, she's just manipulating people to give money. Oh, and Walmart's not. I think uh, when you go to a church and you see a Starbucks in the church, uh, I think you have a right to be a little leery. I think you have a little be like, huh? Okay. <laughs> you See, let me, over my years, I had that attitude, my friend, when I was a young Christian. And there was a guy by the name of Andy Denton. He sang for Legend, who ended up being Legend 7, he broke off from there and sang a in a duo called Identical Strangers with Randy. Um, I can't think of his name. Randy Thomas, I think that who co-wrote Butterfly Kisses, which was very popular. Andy has a voice, I'm telling you. But he invited me to his house when I lived in Nashville, and he began breaking the mold of religious thought process, super strict. And so I've become more open-minded, not in a fleshly way. But how cool is it for the person who loves Starbucks? They go to church for the first time and they see a Starbucks in there. Like, man, I like this church. I'm yeah. coming back. I got a Starbucks right here. I was about to say, yeah, now you're just grateful that your church has a Starbucks instead of a burnt pot. So yeah, to each their own in that case, you got to find Absolutely. where you fit. Yeah, you got to find That's where you right. fit in your community, I guess, too. Yeah, yeah. Paul said, I've become all things to all men so they might be saved. That doesn't mean I'm becoming a drug addict so <laughs> I can reach the drug addicts or I'm going to drink alcohol and get drunk so I can reach the alcoholic. What he's saying is he's reaching people on their level and trying to get them to um, be drawn in a, in a sense to him so he can witness. Well, if Starbucks is what it takes to get somebody in the church who normally wouldn't go, put the Starbucks in the church. Yeah, see, the government has like the same mentality with the vaccines. They're like, okay, so we'll give you free Dunkin' Donuts if, if that's what it takes for you to do that. 
<laughs> That's pretty clever that you came up with that with the Dunkin' Donuts over the <laughs> vaccine over the church and Starbucks. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is a very legitimate thought of mine. That is that is how I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh, let's see. That was we didn't have mean, covered. Didn't a lot mean to get off on times. that rant, my friend. I'm no, sorry no, this, I get going. <laughs> you're good. No, this was super intense. Uh, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wish I asked you? No, not necessarily. Um, my website, if anybody's interested, is theblindfury.com, www.theblindfury.com. And like I said, themaritalmonkey.com is under construction, but it's it's getting really close. I should have it done in a couple of days. Of course, by the time this gets out there, it might be a couple of days. Um, so I'd love for people to get in there. And if, if they're able and they have a heart for like marriage and all of that, I, I love <laughs> for some support in that in staying on air because I actually pursued radio like a year ago. I actually know the owner of a radio station here. Actually, I don't know him. He knows me and I know him, but we don't communicate or anything. But it's a long story. Won't get into it. But I actually called and left him a voicemail and told him what I was doing to see if maybe they had a spot where they would enjoy a, a fun but serious show. But he never responded. And this opportunity came up, but I have to make sure I've raised enough money for operating costs, paying my bills, because this is my job now. I feel like God's putting me in here to, and answering my prayer because every other job I've applied for, it's got shut right on me. It's always better when you have to humble yourself for fundraising and things and you are what you're selling and you're not selling something for somebody else. So yeah, always feel better about that because you can at least stand behind what who you are 100 uh, percent mm-hmm. I, I guess I do want to know if I wanted to bowl with you where can I find you Tuesday night <laughs> at the uh, super lanes in uh, Lexington Kentucky <laughs> you tell me when you're in Kentucky we'll make a time and we will go bowling and right. oddly enough I bowl on Tuesday nights a lot see there's that that was God that was not me I, I did not uh, did you know I even bowled? Yes, I. You you mentioned bowling earlier. That's how you got the nickname Blind Fury, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I do listen sometimes. Okay. Well, so when are we going to bowl, and what do you normally shoot? Uh, I haven't bowled in at least three years, so I wouldn't say. <laughs> Look, I the excuses shoot. are already coming out. You've <laughs> not even met me yet, and you're already making excuses. To, of losing to a blind guy yeah winners win losers have reasons why they didn't win right <laughs> <laughs> you bring it hey, you travel bring your drum kit we'll have a dual drum session in my basement and then we'll go bowling this sounds like a great date i will definitely set this up with you uh don't call it a date dude just call it a an engagement that's what a, that's even more <laughs> an engagement <laughs> Yeah, let's not go with that either. Get together. Uh, yeah. A plan. A plan. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh-huh. you come right on up, man. We will <laughs> We will get out there. My son's a two-handed bowler. Okay. And you'll likely not beat him. He is pretty impressive. So like um, one ball in each hand and he's just throwing him down? No, he doesn't put his thumb in the ball. Oh, oh. oh. Jason Belmonte style. Oh boy, are, are we um, are we going to get into this? Who's the French guy? There's like a Jean something. A- um, yes, for no, that's not. He's a Swedish guy. Um, uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. The big dude. 
He's really big. He's like 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six, or 6'8", or something. Francois Lavoie. Yeah, yep. From, from Quebec, yes. Yeah, that's not him. That's not the one I was thinking of. That, that I'm thinking the, of it. That's the only bowler I know. Oh, man. Oh, and the dude, you know. You know the dude, right? The dude? Yeah, from uh, from The Big Lebowski. No? It was a movie about a guy who got his rug stolen, and he's a bowler. Sorry, yeah, I missed that one. It's okay. It's okay. I'm a mo- I'm not much of a movie guy. Oh, I, and by I the can, way, I can see why. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I did watch a movie the other night with my wife, though. I love that when you can snuggle with the wife and watch a movie. Yeah, I, I don't really pay attention to the movie. I just enjoy snuggling with her. But um, where was I going with that? Oh man, got me off track thinking about the wife. Um, <laughs> Jason Belmonte bowling with two hands. Yeah, we were talking about movies, bowling. Oh man. Oh, I think I was going to clarify something I said earlier. I said I have seen those three crosses. <laughs> and people, I guarantee you, have thought, wait a minute, how did he see the three crosses? I've not always been blind. I'm a miracle, a walking miracle. Um, I so survived wait, three. Huh? You do you do know what it feels like to see, and then you've lost. Oh my it. gosh, yeah. That sucks. That's so bad. Yeah. No, man, I've, I've driven, I've driven through Memphis. I know exactly the, where you're talking about in the, the Memphis basketball arena that sits right there off the interstate as well. The triangle, the triangle, the pyramid. Oh yes. Yes. It's the best yeah. pro shops now. Yeah. So I've been able to see, I, I lost my vision during a really serious illness. Um, the woman I was telling you about that passed away, I had married her in February 08 in May of 08. I was fighting for my life. Matter of fact, the interesting thing is in um, March of 08, in between that, I drove to Arkansas. So I went right through Memphis. And then uh, May of 08, I got really sick, ended up having cerebral histoplasmosis, meningitis, and encephalitis at the same time. And I had no immune system. Okay. At least you're, at least, yeah. Wow. Let that sink in. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and I survived it, but I did lose some vision. But they told me I might lose motor skills. That obviously didn't happen. I still play drums. They said I might come out of the hospital with the mentality of a 12-year-old, and everybody thought that was an upgrade. So I don't know how to think about that. That's a joke you're supposed to laugh at there, man. You got to laugh at that. I did, actually. I, I am. I got a chuckle out of me. <laughs> That's what my book's about. It's called Stop Your Whining, Legally Blind with 2020 Vision. How did you write a book? Um, actually I had typed out the story to a friend of mine so they could read it. It was just a testimony thing is all it really was. So I had three people at three different times in three different States tell me I needed to write a book. And I'm like, no. And then I don't watch that much TV, but I was watching, I was listening to my favorite show while I was working and I turned around and hit the fast forward button to get through all the commercials. And I knew exactly how many times to hit it. And it stopped on a commercial that said, are you a Christian author? I'm like, all right, God, I hear you. I think four times is enough to tell me to write this thing. So I ended up writing it. I typed it out on a Word document and um, formatted it and everything. My wife helped me to, to kind of proof it and make sure there were no lines by themselves or whatever, because I can't really see it. I can hear it. So, and I do have minimum vision. So ended up doing that. My daughter and son-in-law did a photo shoot with me to get me some good pictures to put on the front and back. Matter of fact, the 
picture that you can see is on the back of my book. Um, so it's about losing vision, all the medical stuff I went through, all the financial miracles that happened. And of course, the, the, the vision part, as I wrote the story, I obviously threw some humor in there. I've, I've got an entire chapter dedicated to blind stories that are hilarious. Is that, like chapter, my first, is that chapter written completely in Braille? No, it's not. Sorry. I, it's written in crayon. <laughs> nice. Uh, I yeah. feel like you should tap into the audiobook market. I've thought about reading it, honestly, but like reading it and recording it, I've actually considered that, but I just don't really have time. <laughs> mm. I have so many other things going on. You do wear a lot of hats. And I've actually shelved some of those hats here recently. Because I do a I do a talk show on Sunday nights, not for June. It'll get back up in July. But I have well, like John Schlitt, John Elefante, who used to sing for Kansas. I've had him on the show, and it's where I let people come in and talk to them directly. So I'm not doing the interview like you and I are doing. I actually bring them on the Zoom, and then I allow other people in there so they can talk to these people directly. So that's a lot of fun for me to sit and watch everybody connect. It's it's really neat. Like John Schlitt had a family come on. And there was a youngster in their family that wanted John to sing Beyond Belief with him. And John Schlitt, sure enough, they started wailing together. It was beautiful. I was like, wow, that was so cool. So I do that on Sunday nights when the show is going. And then I do the marriage workshop on Monday nights, Bold Tuesdays, Wednesday night church. And <laughs> other than that, I'm pretty bored. Other than that, you're pretty, you're not doing enough. You need a part-time job, right? I do. I do. Oh, I, I should get a radio show. Yeah, right. Well, nah, you're it's called it. Marital Monkey Mania. I'm excited. I, I am very excited for you and I can't wait to actually well, thank listen you. to it myself. Yes. And I appreciate it. Yes. I will do my best to draw you up as much support as I can because thank that's you, a, man. It's, it seriously is. It's a good cause. I, I totally Anybody that can make a marriage last longer than five years, 10 years, I always ask them how you do it. And I love, I love 80 year old couples, man. They, yep. they have the funniest stuff to say. Sometimes yep. it's just forgive them already. Cause it's going to happen again. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's uh, don't say anything at all. Just be quiet. <laughs> well, let, let me explain this to you. This, this is, I get so passionate and I hate to keep on talking because I know you're, I don't even know what time it is, but there are four Greek words for love. Okay. There is eros. Everybody's going to be able to figure that out. That word's not actually in the Bible, but that's where the English word erotic comes from. If you read the Song of Solomon, it's erotic. If you read the Bible, God created sex. Its purpose is to be a blessing within the marriage. If you read Song of Solomon and pick up on the symbolism in that book, it'll make you blush. As a matter of fact, I was reading Song of Solomon. My wife was in the living room and I walked out there and I just quoted a verse just to see what her reaction would be. She said, what are you doing in there? And I said, all I did was quoted Song of Solomon and I gave her the chapter and verse. I can't remember it, but man, it was funny. So you got that word. Then you have a word called storge. It's only found once in the New Testament, but it's in a compound word. And it means family love like brother, sister, mom, dad, but it also stands for marriage. Now, if you put two and two together, my sister's always going to be my sister. My dad's always going to be my dad. My wife should always be my wife. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's the way God created it. Then you've got phileo love, 
which is a friendship love. Like I can love you, but I will not love you like I love my wife. That's a different type of love. But phileo love is like a brotherly love. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. But here's the point that I'm getting to. There is agape love that is from God himself. That's what Christians are supposed to display. Now, let me explain agape love after I tell you this. When I teach marriage, it takes all four of those to have a fulfilled marriage. You've got to be phileo, which is best friends with your spouse. You've got to have eros, sexual passion for each other. You have to have storge, a family love. And then you have to have that agape love. And what agape love is, Romans 5, 8 says that God showed and demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were out there cussing his name and we didn't want anything to do with him and we didn't believe in him or whatever the case may be, it says that Christ still died for us. He died for us when we were at our very worst. That's agape love. Now, I'm going to give you the definition, my own definition that I think is really cool. It finds the beauty in those who aren't so beautiful. It finds the worth in the worthless. It finds the love in those who are hateful. In other words, I can love a person not based on their character, but based on my character. That is how you love. Because the Bible says, what good is it if you love somebody who loves you? You know, what's the big deal? But what if you love somebody that hates you? That's oh, love. I would say I've done that a couple of times. Didn't right. Last, keep doing it. <laughs> keep doing Well, <laughs> keep doing it. Love your enemies. The Bible says it. Love your enemy. Do good to those who persecute you and do you wrong. Think about what Jesus said on the cross right before he died. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, he was being brutalized. And those were his words, forgive them. One of his, there was a a guy in the New Testament, and I cannot think of his name. He was being murdered and stoned by the religious zealots. And he said the same thing, Father, forgive them. That's agape love because they're extending love based on their character, not the character of the people that they're loving. Because that's conditional. God's love is unconditional. So in marriage, when the wife is getting on your nerves, and if you're a wife, when your husband's getting on your nerves, you're not going to have butterflies, but you can still love them based on your character. Because that's still your husband. That's still your wife. Love them through their imperfections. It's what God did for us. And if he says that we should love like he loves, Ephesians 5.1 says, follow God's example. Oh no, follow God's example. Yeah, love people. And you said it, you you feel more close to God when you're doing things, you're reaching people. Well, what about a husband and wife? We will forgive somebody for doing us wrong. Well, you know, they they had a they had a moment. And I understand we won't extend that same grace to our own spouse. I literally heard that. I heard that three days ago on the radio. They were like, so you can forgive the waiter that like messed your order up and wow. you can forgive somebody who spilled water on you, but you can't forgive your kid. You can't forgive, you know, yep. you can't, yeah, you can't forgive your own family. Like wh- what's that? 
Yep. It kills me, man. And that's why the baseline verse for marital monkey is Hebrews 13, four marriage. This is so simple and we don't treat it like this. Marriage is to be held above all. A L L no exemptions. When in the Bible says that God died for everybody so that all could be saved, there are no exemptions. The word all in Greek is P-O-S, pos. Same exact word in Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is to be held above, pos, all, everything, and the marriage bed undefiled. Why do you think he put that second clause in there? Because if you're not holding your marriage above everything, you're going to defile your marriage bed, not even necessarily sexually. But what if you're not paying attention to your spouse? You've grown apart. Your marriage bed is affected. To be held is an adjective. Timios is the Greek word, and it means to be treasured, honored, valued, and respected. Marriage is to be treasured, valued, honored, and respected above all. There are no exemptions, and we do not treat our marriages like that. It's an adjective. Therefore, our marriage is supposed to look treasured, honored, respected, and valued above everything else. And you can't find marriages like that hardly anywhere. No, I, I admire your passion and wisdom. It's, it's refreshing, oh, thanks. actually. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you were you were into that, man. That's I totally get that though. I mean, it's, it's stuff people need to hear, whether they yeah. agree with it or not. Well, I will tell you this. This was a hilarious story. My very first Monday night marriage workshop I ever did back in August 2020. I taught that very verse. And it, don't please don't take this the wrong way. I hate telling stories about me and what I do sometimes because I feel like somebody's going to perceive it as me bragging. But Paul in the New Testament wrote a line that still I'm trying to learn how to use appropriately. He said, imitate me. Do what I do. Imitate me. I'm like, wow. Okay, well, so I'm going to tell you men out there, imitate me. When you take, when you go to the car, open the door for your wife. What, she can open her own door? Yes, she can. Wives, yes, you can open your own door. It has nothing to do with your ability to open your own door. It has every bit to do with respect and treating your wife like she's special. Because you don't open that door for anybody else. You better be opening for your wife. That's how you honor, value, respect, and treasure her. How you got them is how you keep them. Open the door for that girlfriend, that date, for that wife, whatever. I did that. Now, you have to picture this. My wife and I are coming out of a store. I can't drive. I put her in the car. I've got my guide cane, so I'm using my cane to navigate the parking lot after I put her in the car. This car drives by, honks, rolls down the window, and yells, that's a man right there. But you know what? It probably made my wife feel pretty good. So I did that on a Monday night workshop, and I gave the example of opening the car door. I got a phone call as soon as we were done from somebody that was in there. He said, John, man, dude, you really stepped on my toes. He said, but I couldn't argue with you because you were right. I've got some growing to do or something to that effect. And I thought, wow, well, that's awesome. So 
yeah, you get me on the marriage thing and and treating. I, I don't know. I, I guess you've noticed I can keep going. Are you? Uh, do you consider yourself an opinionated man? Because I could I could get an opinion out of you. That'd be pretty interesting. Well, it depends on what you're talking about. I'm, uh, I try to be factual, but yes, I can be opinionated. <laughs> cool. So uh, people that get married when they meet off of uh, dating apps and dating websites, okay. what do you do with that? What do you think about that? I have zero problem with it. I mean, do you think it's like the same sort of love as if you were to meet somebody in person? Do you think it's the same? Because I mean, pretty much, especially now because of the pandemic, nobody's going out and meeting each other. Everybody's mm-hmm. on apps. I personal ph- philosophy, I don't think you're going to meet quality people on dating apps, which is probably very closed minded of me to be. But I just don't think I think you're forcing an issue when you get on the dating sites and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think you're taking a risk. Well, I think here's where the problem, in my opinion, comes in. It's not necessarily how you date them. It's how you get to know them. If you are only texting back and forth, you're not going to get to know them. It does. It's just texting is not relational. You don't see facial features. You don't hear the tone of voice. You, you get nothing like that. If oh, I know. You're uh- only... I tried dating apps once and you could have just like labeled the entire experience uh, textual assault. I mean, it was horrible because yeah. like there was no tone of voice in there. And I'm like, well, right. the second you could send voice messages, things will change. But no, that was years ago. And now I'm aware you have to pay for it most of the time to at least prove that you have some sort of social standing. I don't know. It's strange. Well, very strange. I, to get to know somebody, texting is not going to do it. Phone calls can only go so far. It, you must spend time with them. And it's that's where you start to build the base in your friendship. And just pe- don't get me on cell phones. Dude, <laughs> I will be here another two hours. I've done studies on cell phones. I've researched it. The psychological, physical, mental, it actually degrades your IQ. Literally. It makes smartphones make us dumber. That's what I taught in my marital monkey class. Smartphones make us dumber. Don't believe me? Tell me my phone number if I've known you for a year. I bet you uh, can't do it. Ha, 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 ha. That's funny. Drive to another state without your GPS and see where you end up. We depend on them so much, our brains no longer get exercise. But anyway, that's not what you asked me. Dating apps, as long as you're, I don't care how you meet. And I'm going to tell you this, this is going to be in the book and it's going to be out there. Tanya, how do you think I met her? I'm blind. You think I went down? No, I did not. Huh? I, it's a long story and I'm not going to get into it. I'm just going to tell you the base of it. God told me because I was signing out of my web browser on a particular site that I'll tell you in just a second. This is not disclaimer. This is not where you meet somebody. Do not go there. It just so happened God told me to post there. I went, what? Are you about to tell Craig's me it's Craigslist? It's cra- Craigslist. Oh, my goodness. I was, my, and here's why. I was surfing it for fun because my screen reader works with it. I wasn't going to pay for a dating app. Forget that. I was just doing it for fun. And I actually signed up one time to put an ad up, and I exited out of it. I was like, I'm not ready. You know, I'm a widow or I'm not ready. And in November, I prayed. I said, God. I don't want to be alone. When you're ready, please send her. Well, I knew if you sent her, 
I'd be ready because if he's ready, then I'm ready. And I was actually signing out. I was about to get off the internet and God said, post. I was like, okay. So I posted. Tanya's on there looking for a second job to help pay for Christmas and stumbled upon the personals. She didn't even realize what it was. She just gets on there and sees my ad, pulls it up, sees it and emails me. And now we're married. Congratulations. We also, well, thank you, man. It's a crazy story. Wait, you need to give me your address and I need to send you my book if you like to read. Um, or, or I, I can read email you a copy. Oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I will give you a follow-up email after all of this for sure. Okay. Well, that, like I said, the book will be called God Sent Me a Personal Text Message. And it started out with that Craigslist ad and the title of it, which I'm going to keep to myself. Let, <laughs> let the suspense happen. Because what was the title of that post that got her attention? I'm going to say it like this. You'll just have to read the book. God sent me a text message with those exact words. I'm, sure. I, I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. I'm sure it had the word monkey in it. I'm sure it was something about <laughs> monkeys and bowling. No, 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 it did not. I did not have marital <laughs> monkey when I met Tanya. But yeah, man, it, it's a crazy story. It's just that I'm, you want to hear one of the stories? Uh, yes. G give me one last story. You sure? Please. Yes. No, I do. Because you just, you have so much, you, you have a lot to offer. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I enjoy this stuff and you're keeping me from building my website. Just so you know, no, good. I'm joking. I just, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for enjoying my downfall. That's great. No, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> keep um, your enemies closer, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Which is another reason you should stay close to your spouse. But anyway, uh, oh, I just came from a married guy. Oh yeah, man. Happily I hope she's not in the other. <laughs> I hope she didn't hear that. I don't even know she's home. Um, th this is one of the things that happened during our eight months that just still blows me away to this day. I've told this story so many times. So because of my legalistic mindset at the time, you know that you can't do anything wrong. God's going to strike you down if you do. I still had somewhat of that mindset in certain areas. And I believe God used Tanya's story to break me out of that so I could understand the depth of his love goes so much farther than any of us can comprehend. I mean, we cannot comprehend it. But I was struggling and I was feeling fearful about marrying her due to her past. So, and I counseled with more than one person about it that were very well-respected Christian leaders. My pastor, a lady who had a PhD in Christian education in our church, and a guy with that prophetic gift, he even chipped in a little bit. Um, but I was still feeling scared, right? So I am in Las Vegas, Nevada, bowling in the Blind Bowling Association National Tournament. This is while Tanya and I were still dating. I had already bought her engagement ring. But on the flight home, I was starting to feel super scared where I was almost sick at my stomach. Like, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Well, you know, I look back on that. I know the enemy was coming after me because the enemy has a hit out on Tanya, which is what happened to her earlier in her years. And it, he knows if she marries me, now he's got to go through me to get to her because I'm the head of the house. And don't freak out, everybody. 
head of the house is not what people make it out to be. It's not the um, same thing that her, her ex was making it to be. No. And on no. top of that, I mean, you were in Sin City, so th- there is that. That <laughs> might explain why you felt that way. Well, I was feeling like that for months, but this is why the book is going to be so powerful because every time I did, God sent something, somebody, a verse, whatever, that just nailed what I was going through. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing story, but the text message, God sent me a personal text message, literally, it's just craziness. Anyway, so I'm on the flight home feeling scared to death. The next day, which would have been Friday, I had planned on taking her to Nashville to see Disciple, Christian rock band. It was one of her favorites. Well, when we first started dating, she captioned one of our pictures with God is with us. That's a Disciple song. Okay. So I can hear her walking in the hallway. I better be nice. Um, So I'm flying home. You scared me for a second. I thought you were talking about my hallway. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Oh, no. I heard her. No, no. Made you look. That's great. You hey, did. Tanya, what are you doing at his house? Um, so we, I get home and I see her for the first time. She gives me a big hug. And I said, I have to tell you, I'm feeling scared again. And, you know, this is months into it. And she said, you know, I was hoping you were past that by now. And the tears start to go down her cheeks. All takes breaks me up as I talk about it. And I said, I tell you what, let's pray. And I bear hugged her. And my prayer was a very simple one. I said, Lord, would you please go to battle for me and get my back and help these thoughts to stop? I said, this is ridiculous. I'm sick of it. Please get my back. And I felt a little better. Well, we jump in the car. We drive to Nashville. I love surprises. She had no idea we were going to see Disciple. She had no clue. We walk into the venue she sees the merchandise and she gets all excited. She's like, we're here to say disciple. And I said, yes, we are. And I said, I will tell you, Kevin, who's the singer, will minister from the stage. I'm just letting you know. So we're waiting for the show to start, right? My phone buzzes and I pick it up, put it next to my ear to listen to it. And I slammed it on my thigh. I turned around. I looked at Tanya. I said, look at this. It was the verse of the day that popped up on my phone. And it said, Exodus 14, 14. Remember my prayer before I tell you this verse. God, would you please battle for us and get my back? I'm sick of this. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will go to battle for you. Just be still. And we just started laughing. Like, that's not the first time that's happened. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like, I just prayed that. And he's going, I got you. But it doesn't stop there. Disciples on stage, and it's ministry time from Kevin. Remember, God is with us, the song, and Kevin likes to minister. He's on the stage, and he gets to the point toward the end of his ministry moment and says, the world, um, I don't know how he said it, but the world screams what they believe. They'll tweet it out. They'll post it on Facebook. And he says all this stuff, and he said, but let me tell you something. God will go to battle for you. And sometimes you don't even have to do anything, which was that exact verse. (laughs) And as soon as he said it, they went straight into God is with us. Yeah, you had, I mean, good thing you were paying attention because he really wanted you to get that message. He was going to like make it as loud and clear as possible. Now, see, that's not irony. People will try to describe that as irony. That verse 
Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. 31,102 verses in the Bible. And that's the one that pops up on my phone. All on now, that day from three different places. Exactly. So, now, yeah. now check this out. I was playing drums at the church at the time. This is the day before the proposal. I was feeling scared again. I look back on the documentation and I feel so stupid. Like, why didn't you just believe God? You know, but it's hard sometimes. And I was walking out of the drum cage down the hallway. No voices, which we all normally talk, the worship team. No voices, no footsteps, nothing. I'm like, man, they took off. So I'm walking down the hallway, assuming I'm by myself. I get almost to the area that goes into the foyer. And the conga player was right next to me. And I had no idea. And I am not joking, man. He out of the blue, out of the blue, looks at me and says, don't be scared. I said, what did you say? And it kind of shocked him. He said, don't be scared. I said, why did you say that? Because that's exactly what I was feeling. I'm proposing the next night. And he said, I, I don't know. I said, you have no idea what you just said. I said, God literally just used your voice to talk to me in an audible voice. I said, I will call you Tuesday and tell you why. And I didn't want to tell him there because, well, the next day was the proposal and I didn't want anybody to take a chance on blowing it. I was like, how can you not believe? I mean, that is so specific. Don't be scared, which is exactly what I was feeling. How, how do you say God's not in this stuff? How? There's no other explanation, honestly. Like, no. you, you could overanalyze it because that's what people do, but it actually doesn't make sense after you overanalyze it to that point. And it's hard mm -hmm. to explain it to people who don't believe. Yep. Yep. Well, that's what the book is designed to do. It's going to ruffle the religious feathers. It's going to talk about all of these stories because I documented every single one of them. Um, it's going to talk about the cane, and I'm leaving that to myself, but I wrote about the cane. It's got a, God dropped that analogy on me to write in this book. So I've got about four or five chapters drafted out, and I've got a lot more writing to do. So once I get this radio show all ready and prepared, I will get back on the book. But yeah, man, those are some of the craziness that I've experienced no, just, th thank you so much, because I mean, it, it your story will help me explain to people that because I mean, I'm still I'm, I'm in a lot of different crowds, especially as a musician, all mm -hmm. ages, races, genders, all kinds and all throughout every day. So when certain people don't believe me or look at me funny when I'm like, you know, it is it's not me. It's God who's doing it. At least at least I know there's at least you who's got just as crazy amount of stories in this pretty much a similar <laughs> similar interaction though because it doesn't matter if you're in church or not it's he will find you he will come yep. it's just on you to like listen to him and be like okay all right i won't be scared all right i will i will do that yeah and you know his his love and his pursuit of us is reckless he comes after us he does not want to let his kids perish period when I say perish, I'm talking spiritually perish. Um, you know, that Tanya, going back to my wife, you know, the years that she was just living carefree and, and she would admit doing really stupid stuff. God still pursued her. 
And I, I've told her, I said, I think God's had enough. He's tired of you being abused and used and you making dumb decisions. So he sent you me. <laughs> so um, that that's what I firmly believe. And I remember being in my kitchen. I don't believe, see, some people believe that God has a specific person for you. I do not believe that. I only believe that with very few exceptions, Adam and Eve, Mary and Joseph, because the rest of the time you choose who you want, providing they're the same faith. I right? think that there are literally countries that people forget exist. And so if you think there's one person out there for you, where are you looking? What are you looking <laughs> yeah. for? Like, did you consider Morocco? Did you consider? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> yeah. Well, the point that I'm getting to is that I was in my kitchen when I was dating Tanya and I've really felt like God dropped it on me. You know, everybody gets to choose who they want as long as they're, as long as they're in the Christian faith, but this is different. He specifically matched up Tanya and me together because he had a had slash has a very specific purpose. So it's, it's a, it's just, I, I am so humbled and thankful to him that he thinks enough of me. Who am I that you were so mindful of me, Lord? Who am I? Who am I? You know, who are but you? yet, yeah, but yet I'm still a king's kid. I get to inherit the throne or eternal life. And I'm just me, but he loves me that much. That's why when I met Tanya, he broke me out of this legalistic mindset. He's like, my love is so deep for you. You don't even have a clue. And I'm about to show you. And I still don't have a clue, but I'm a whole lot more in depth of knowledge than I used to be. You know, Paul, you look at Paul, who wrote about a third of the New Testament, not quite a third, probably like 30% of it. Um, you, do you know what he did before God met him and he said, was, oh, he was Saul, right? He was a, he was a sinner. And uh, he was a murderer. Yeah, even better. He was killing Christians. And God used him to write the New Testament. Nothing like taking a murderer and having him and changing his life so much that he's now writing about love. Nothing like taking a stutterer and Moses and saying, hey, go talk to Pharaoh so I can get those Israelites delivered out of Egypt. <laughs> Think about that. Nothing like Peter, who denied Christ three times when the rooster crowed. And saying, hey, I want you to be a pastor. You go plant a church. He loves using the imperfect people. Because that's when he's really glorified. And you know what? I am perfect at being imperfect. Uh, you, again, very wise. Very wise words. Very good advice. Very good metaphors. Well, thank you, man. It's just, I'm letting, I'm just, I'm hoping this is a spirit speaking through me and, you know, no, no ministry is too small. No role is too small. You think about it, go to a church with a dirty bathroom because the custodian didn't do their job. That's a bad image on that church. People might not even come back. So you want to tell me that the custodian's role is nothing? Baloney. Colossians 3.23 says this, and I'm going to try to shut up. Do everything. And everything you do, do it as unto the Lord and not for man. What if we loved our spouse as a way of worshiping God 
what would that do to marriages? Because God told me flat out, the way you treat your spouse is a form of worship. How are you worshiping God? Wholeheartedly or half doing it? Or are you ridiculing your spouse to your buddies? Stop it. Honestly, Stop it. any man with a man cave doesn't deserve a wife. <laughs> I'm calling that one <laughs> I out. actually have a dad cave, just so you know. Oh, but you have kids. I used to. Well, I, I still do. They're grown and gone. But right. I have a projection TV. My wife goes in there sometimes with me. So it's not, it's not off limits to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know the type I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> Thank you. That was very hard for me. <laughs> well, look, I appreciate everything that you've shared. And I, again, will the blind fury.com uh, June 18th, Friday, June 18th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern is when monkey mania, marital mania, marital, marital monkey mania. Oh, all three M's. Oh, I love it. Definitely going to have a listen live on your website. I'm not going to keep you from doing that. Please, please improve your (laughs) website. And thank you so much, so much for your time. Well, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot better than I expected after dealing with you for two weeks. I know I'm, I'm the worst, but (laughs) I can, I, I translate so much better in person. I'm just playing, man. Looking forward to our no. bowling tournament. Oh yeah, absolutely get a hold of me and we'll make it happen. But yeah, and don't forget maritalmonkey.com as well. Maritalmonkey.com. I, sha- I shan't forget and neither shall the listeners. Yeah, I noticed you used the King James version when you email me back. It shall be. Oh, yeah. I, I was also going to say that, yeah, I've never read Song of Solomon. I've only read Song of Songs. That's the only... Uh, it's the same thing. I, I'm aware. I'm aware. I just, okay. I just wanted oh, you to you're, know. You're messing with me. Thanks. Just, I didn't yes. catch it. I, I just I'm, forgot uh, to slip that in there while yeah. you were saying it because I didn't want to take away. You were saying something important. Yeah, you got me. That that completely threw me off. I'm like, yeah, it's the same thing. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Good one. I'm going to have to use that. Do I have permission to use that? Use anything. <laughs> use use anything and everything, please. I don't I don't gatekeep my words. You can even use the uh the Dunkin' Donuts and the vaccines. Oh. <laughs> you can even use Six Flags over Jesus. You are welcome to use that as yeah, well. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, well, you're I'm going to I'm I'm a little afraid about the lightning bolt, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the new roller coaster, the lightning bolt. Is it? Oh, hey, you know, whatever works, I guess. But the lightning bolt, you know, that could represent Satan getting thrown out of heaven too. So, you know. Well, ah. it, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Same here, man. You All got right. it, buddy. Definitely stay in touch, and we'll we'll do some bowling. Awesome. Take care. Take care, man. See you. Bye. <laughs> All right.